this is Terry Gibbons, the CEO and founder of the Center for Higher Education Leadership, and this is the Higher Education Leadership Podcast. And today, I'm very happy to be hosting Warren Kennard, who is with us from Australia. <laughs> so we're doing the international thing again here on the podcast. And I'm very happy to say that Warren has been very supportive of the Center for Higher Education Leadership. He is one of our advisors, and we have also been working on some online courses and things together. So I thought it'd be great to get Warren here today to talk about issues around online learning and um, what's just kind of going on with the broader issues in ed tech and higher ed. So Warren, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, wonderful. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Terry. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming and looking forward to the conversation. Um, so uh, maybe just a, a little bit about me. At, at the moment, I'm, I'm building online learning programs to prepare people for the future of work. Um, that's my current preoccupation. Um, I'm part of a, a team at, at Kahoot Learning who's put uh, 1.6 million people through what we consider to be an incredibly effective online learning experience and, and platform in the EdTech ecosystem. And two principal things occupy my mind at the moment, uh, Terry. It's uh, really the Kahoot Academy, which, which we're building out, which is a, a series of uh, professional learning programs for the fourth industrial age in, in kind of human capability, digital um, skills and contemporary ways of working. And uh, the Connect Ed project, um, which is a online learning experience um, specifically designed to amplify reform in, in the higher ed sector. And it's uh, really a, a, a chance for discourse um, to be wrapped in pedagogy, as I, I like to mention it at, at this stage. Um, so it's a crowdsourced course that, that we're building um, in higher ed and ed tech. So, so those are my, um, the things that are, that are occupying my mind at the moment, Terry. That's wonderful. And, you know, I, I'm really hoping we can kind of sit here and discuss for a bit just the issues around quality of online, you know, versus kind of these point and click alternatives. And, and, you know, for me, it's also an issue of the fact that we have so many people in higher ed shifting to online and so many faculty don't know, you know, I mean, unfortunately, they literally haven't learned how to teach. They don't know much about pedagogy, let alone online pedagogy. So I was wondering if we, you could talk about, you know, how do you know what an, a quality online course looks like? Yeah, and that's that's a, a fascinating question, and I suppose to to people that have not done online courses before, this is probably the most uh, difficult time for them to to navigate um, yes, what absolutely. is good and 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 what isn't. Um, I suppose uh, the the most logical uh, conclusion they draw a, as a student is, you know, what does this look like um, relative to the other things that I use in 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 the digital um, experiences? And if I look at the the Facebooks, the LinkedIn, my social platform you know how does this compare and and the user experience of, of many of the online purchasing decisions that we make I think these are the the things that are analogous in 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 their heads to what online learning should look like um, and, and I believe there's a fundamental disconnect at the moment um, to echo your sentiment there I think many of the students that are that are seeing these kind of hybrids um, strung together um, almost with bubble gum and sticky tape at times um, mm -hmm. zoom kind of experiences are are a zoom and, and a combination of a, a kind of virtual classroom experience are are incredibly disjointed and disconnected from reality for them and and so I think uh, these are these are fundamental challenges for us to grapple with. Um, you know, I've seen online learning done incredibly well, and I've I, I've seen it done um, to the extent that you're speaking about, and and it's going to be a difficult a difficult undertaking for us. 
Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, we saw, you know, this happened with the MOOCs, these massive online courses that um, everybody was thinking was going to take the place of higher ed, which of course was a little overrated. But, um, you know, we, we, we've, it's almost been this, this trend transformation of, you know, we got to go to the MOOC and now we're trying to just go with individual courses. There's kind of this issue of, you know, what's going on in higher ed versus training. And so, you know, I'm curious what you think about um, how we've made this transition away from mm. the MOOCs and more to more, uh, a more instructor focused, you know, and trying to make it a more intimate experience. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, it's, it's a wonderful point. And I think the, the, the work that I've been doing over the last 10 years in, in particular has been looking at this uh, kind of cohort-led facilitated experiences. So mm -hmm. if we, we take a step back from, from the MOOCs and, and what, we, what was presumably thought to be the democratization of education, and it certainly was to some extent, we, we saw an overwhelming number of people uh, diving in to, to upskill and to reskill and to, to retool themselves in a, in a whole number of areas. But what, was, um, what wasn't um, as readily understood or, or what was quite a surprise for, for those in higher ed was the dramatically low completion rates. Exactly. Um, so we, we just saw, you know, a, a huge level of interest, but, but we couldn't necessarily get people um, to complete the programs. And, and I think uh, one of the businesses that I was part of is a, a crowd based out of Cape Town, um, South Africa, which is uh, called Get Smarter. And the fundamental difference that, that we realized at that point was how important that facilitation is and how important it was to have a people-mediated experience as, as part of these uh, short programs. Um, so that was really my first foray into a facilitated cohort-led experience. And, and at that particular business, and still persists today uh, with about 50,000, um, uh, well, plus 50,000 enrollments each year, um, they're still experiencing 90% completion rates. And mm -hmm. the reason for that, um, notwithstanding the, the prowess of the universities and so on that they work with, but, uh, and the, the richness of the content, but they found that the garden walled community um, was incredibly important and the ability to uh, pepper the student with regular um, activities and, and regular uh, conversation amongst each other and their, their facilitators that ultimately led to that becoming an experience as opposed to just being an asynchronous um, throwing of material online. Yeah, I, it's funny because um, at the start of this uh, shelter in place here, I actually signed up for an edX course and I, I did the first lesson and I haven't gone back. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I feel like one of those typical, you know, people who goes online to take a course and just, you know, never actually does it. And I think my time is running out. <laughs> to finish it, but, it, it probably um, is amongst everything else that you, you do, Terry. And, um, you know, just there's one point and I'm sorry to interrupt interrupt oh, you, no but problem. The, the, well, one point is incredibly important for me in that um, I, I think it's it's often to do with the incentives um, that yes. that will either see completion or not uh, you know or somebody um, and and also the reasons for why somebody entertain that that course experience in the first place um, some are purely looking to upskill and the content's important and they they're just wanting to get a sense of of their knowledge and and how it stacks up but then you also look at the, the incentive of the certificate mm -hmm. from a recognized university or um, uh, one that, that has career or job outcomes 
and, and just how much we see that the stronger the job outcome and of course the, the, the more prestigious the university and what that acknowledgement and award means, the, the more likelihood for completion as well. Um, so you've got this double whammy behind the facilitated experience, but also the perceived value that that qualification has in or, or certification has in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely with that because I know for me, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's no incentive for me to actually finish the course. I'm just doing it for fun and, you know, I, I can always go back and start it over again. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, but I think that issue of certification is, is a big one um, and it's becoming a broader issue and I, I know I'm kind of going off onto a different topic, but I mean, it, it's, it, it ties in with this idea of what's a quality online experience because yes. you know as a lot of people are saying well why should I pay you know extra money for my child to take an online course at this you know big name university versus you know with a even with us like a southern New Hampshire that has more experience with uh, online learning um, mm. or Western Governors University you know so I think um, but then you know it ties back to that certificate is it is your certificate coming from you know a, a Harvard or a Stanford versus you know something else that's that's not maybe as well recognized in the workplace and yes. you know this is I see this debate going on and on and on LinkedIn and all the other places I, I where I, I post and talk about these things, but you know, mm -hmm. it's really gonna, I think gonna take a transformation in higher ed for us to shift away from that focus on a certain type of credential. Yes. Yeah, look, I mean, your your point bleeds into a whole number of conversations <laughs> that, that are of interest, um, Terry, and, and, yes. and I mean, we look at the, the um, uh, I know that uh, just a, another a kind of uh, related uh, conversation is around um, the work that um, Brandon Bastide has been um, speaking yep. about in the cred degrees. Um, and, and this has been a topic of, of much debate for some time as well, but I just liked his um, use of the word and, and how he, he articulates his argument, but also about the, the blending of industry into that equation. So yes. notwithstanding the power of, of these universities that you mentioned and the Western governors and, and, um, and so on is obviously a wonderful brands and, and do wonderful work. Uh, but again, the quality of the, the, the job outcome is equally as important, if not more important now than, than uh, many of the top tier university brands. So we're seeing this, this bleeding together of um, the importance of, of having that qualification, but at the same time having that uh, well integrated with industry relevant content so that people can actually um, you know, survive in the future of work. And, and, and again, uh, I'm sorry to digress on my side as <laughs> well, okay. but, but, but to, to two things um, you know, spark my interest out of this as well. Um, uh, and that's also looking at, if we look at how, how important those job outcomes are, we're seeing a lot of students bypass the traditional college or, or university experience and, and go straight headfirst yes. into, the, into the career into their career and they're getting educated on very, very specific verticals and disciplines. 
And mm -hmm. this is also a concern for me um, because I, I'm certainly not a researcher in this space, but I, I have some leaning to the effect that I'm, I'm a bit worried about the, the void of human skills and uh, the liberal arts and the, and the, the broader mm -hmm. spectrum of knowledge and learning that one requires, um, notwithstanding how important it is to get a job, of course, but the fact that they're learning incredibly specific verticals and technical skills that are void of these other important skills, I'm just not sure how that's going to manifest over, over time. Right. Well, that's uh, getting a lot of pushback right now because uh, even in the moment we're in, you know, there's a lot of concern about civic education, about, you know, but, you know, this is not just for higher ed. It's, it's across the spectrum, K through 12 cool. and higher ed, as well as beyond, right? I mean, I think a lot of employers are concerned that their employees have a good understanding, you know, they want to do good in the world. <laughs> and they yes. want to make sure their employees understand that what the work, the work they're doing, it has to be informed by, you know, what's going on in society and, you know, how do we want the world to look when we're done with all of this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, these are, these are very important concerns and I'm a huge fan of the liberal arts college. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of parents, you know, I have a son who's in college, but a lot of parents are just saying, you know, what is my son or daughter going to get out of this in terms mm -hmm. of a career? And it's, it's interesting because we were already looking at this when I was the vice provost at UT Austin, gosh, you know, back in 2007, 2008, you know, the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board was already saying degrees have to show, you know, what, what kind of job can you get with this particular degree? Yes. Um, and you know, we found it a little frustrating. But on the other hand, I also I completely understand. You know, why wouldn't we want to know what skills? I think it comes back to skills. You know, mm. are you learning to write? Are you learning to use quantitative reasoning? You know, are mm -hmm. you learning to communicate? And, and mm. I think that's what it really comes down to. And you know, I certainly paid attention to those things when I was teaching. But um, mm. you know, it's like, how do you do that in a way that? you know, maintains this broader liberal education while trying to make sure that, that uh, students have those skills going forward and yeah. um, so on. Yeah, this is, a, this is an incredibly interesting um, conversation and one that I'm, I'm sure we can speak at, at nauseam about the, the, <laughs> the, the dichotomy here um, between the industry demand and, and what universities profess or, or otherwise uh, were, were um, uh, created to, to um, you know, deliver as far as education and training is concerned, there's, there's a fundamental disconnect, um, you know, in, in theory. And, and so why I'm a particular fan of the, the work of the, the credit degrees or, or others, um, there, there's other businesses that I know very well that are, that are building in um, kind of industry embedded curriculum into the university experiences is um, is probably the way we we need to move in the in the short term to have this kind of hybrid experience and and the human skills um, that you you speak of this problem solving this critical thinking um, the creativity these are these are incredibly difficult um, uh, topics to to cover in, in in an online mode and I've been very proud of the work and and certainly not not to uh, you know punt unnecessarily the work that I'm doing but the work at, at the Coo 
Livelihood Academy and, and the way that we've fostered our, our virtual learning environment um, to be able to facilitate these, um, these kind of more uh, human skills and, and uh, foster those within people into demonstrable, uh, demonstrable outcomes is, is really breathtaking. So, you know, it can be done in an online mode. And, and I don't think we're, we're, um, we, we can shy away from the fact that our online education has its place to deliver these, these kind of core mm -hmm. competencies in individuals um, uh, and notwithstanding the importance of hard skills, but there has to be this blend that I believe can be effectively done in, in online. So um, yeah, you know, we, we, we see a lot happening in the, in the OPM space. Uh, we see a lot of wonderful organizations and universities that are, that are moving into this space. So delighted that, that people are attempting it and, and I'm sure time will tell how, how successful it is. Absolutely. I mean, we've had some really good discussions with uh, some folks from OPMs as well as um, folks working on continuing education. And that's where I think, um, you know, obviously online has made great inroads in continuing education and yes. you know, this idea of lifelong learning, obviously Arizona State and Michael Crow have been big mm -hmm. proponents of this and kind of leading the way for the, the um, you know, higher ed institutions. And, and, you know, frankly, I think this is the future of higher education. And, you know, it's something I think we've talked about I, you know, when we've been one-on-one, -on -one, but, you know, I, it, I want to mm. throw out this idea that, you know, why, why should, you know, there's no reason why, you know, a four-year bachelor's degree or, you know, has to be the end of education. Um, yeah. And there's no reason why we can't have employers and, and, you know, folks in industry coming in and say, I mean, as a, the provost of a business college, you know, it was the norm for us to go to marketing firms and say, hey, are our graduates doing, you know, getting the kind of education <laughs> yeah. You need. I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. want to put out graduates who can't do accounting or marketing or finance. I mean, you know, yeah. it's very yeah. straightforward. Yeah, the the ability to to um, actually become productive from from day one is a is a, a necessity at, at this current stage. So we do see an overlapping of the higher education um, model and that ability to dip in and out of your learning experience over a lifetime versus um, you know just doing your your three to four year qualification and then entering the work uh, workforce and forgetting about um, your studies uh, for the rest of your your time. We cannot um, and and I hope. I really hope, Terry, that this this conversation is is a mute point um, in the in the very very near future. That we are not even contemplating that a, a three year degree um, will set you up for an eternity of work. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just absolutely farcical, and 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 I hope that that we, we no longer even mention those, those two things in the same sentence. We, we have to be thinking as a, as a, a higher education sector, how do we um, keep people dipping in and out of their learning experience over time, scaffolding those, um, those uh, learning experiences in a very coordinated and, and concretized way that is well supported and well validated. And if you look at the likes of, of Degreed, who I'm an enormous fan of, I, I know we've spoken about this uh, outside of the podcast, but the, the, the ability to capture all of that informal and formal knowledge and create a 
a kind of a, a holistic view of a mm -hmm. student and, and what mm -hmm. they can contribute to society, not just from a, and, and this is the one criticism I have with degreed and other kind of learning experience platforms of this kind is to, is to or can they not incorporate more of the humanity components yes. of what this individual <laughs> is, you know, like they, this person does volunteer work or is particularly passionate or would be the kind of person that would help um, you know, an old lady cross the road and carry her, her, her shopping bags. Um, mm -hmm. So how do we incorporate that um, beyond just the formal and informal tuition, but to make a, a more comprehensive understanding of who we are as a, as a person and how that can contribute to, to society and the world of work? Absolutely. I mean, creativity. I mean, it, it, you, we both are big fans of design thinking, and I, I, mm -hmm. I live right down the road from Stanford where a lot of this <laughs> has gotten a lot of attention. But, you know, that's the whole point, I think, behind design thinking, right, is to, to, to basically you know, allow for creativity and for people to be able to use those kinds of skills you get from taking a class in art or, you know, or this, you know, the understanding civics through your political science courses and so on. And, yes. um, you know, how I, 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 one of the great examples I think is, you know, how do you, can you create a, a system like Facebook or, or Twitter and not understand the politics? that mm. you know <laughs> surround it so yeah and and actually those companies are you know, i have students former students who have, you know study political science who are now working for google and facebook and and other places and so at least they're getting it that you know those skills and you know steve jobs of course was the classic uh, you know uh, employer who knew that he had to have people who had create who had creativity. He was a very yes. creative person. You know, he he wasn't a, yes. an engineer. So, um, I think there's a, 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 a there is an acknowledge out acknowledgement out there amongst employers that they need people who are creative and who um, you know need that ongoing learning experience mm. to grow in their positions. And that's why I would love to see more of a collaboration between hired institutions and, you know, uh, companies like mine and yours that are doing the training and, mm. um, you know, and employers. And we should mm. all be working together because we all have the same goal. Um, you know, mine is more focused on faculty who already have their PhDs, but still need training to become managers <laughs> and so on. Yes. And, you know, I mean, diversity training, you know, you know, wouldn't you want to read, you know, some, you know, fiction or, or, or something that's more, um, you know, creative to, to understand, you know, story, to, yeah, like we know, we both agree that storytelling is critical, <laughs> you yes. know, um, in, in these kinds of situations and, and people respond really well to stories. So, you know, there's mm -hmm. all different ways you can pull creativity into online learning um, and still, mm -hmm. you know, maintain rigor and being able to assess people in terms of what they've learned. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think the, the thing that you touched on that's probably most important for me and, and something I'm very passionate about as well is to have this broad um, swath of, of kind of understanding of various things that create a more rounded human being. And mm -hmm. um, and this is my concern, as I raised earlier in the in the podcast, is is uh, around this very specific niche vertical training. Um, you know, it's it's wonderful for for the enterprise. Um, and if you're going to be a developer at Microsoft, or you know, if you're going to be um, an AI specialist at at Google or Facebook, uh, that that's a wonderful career to have, and you're doing incredible things for for that particular organization. But 
Um, I worry about the consequences of that very specialized niche training and the void of all of the other things that make us human, that, that bring life and, and creativity to all sorts of projects. Um, and I feel there must be a, a way that, that we can um, use the, the higher education um, kind of foundation, as it were, especially for a school leaver, to create these foundational understandings of what it is to be a um, to be a, a well-rounded human being um, and to be able to be creative, compassionate and empathetic towards other individuals and, and just teach the building blocks for how to uh, uh, foster a great career, uh, whether that be an entrepreneurial pursuit or to work in um, you know, a, a large tech company um, and, and seek profits of which there is, in my opinion, um, certainly no problem with, with going out and, and making wonderful profits. I, I think the the, the fundamental problem for me is uh, is just the fact that we don't know as a higher education uh, in, uh, um, sector what is leading to to success, um, and we're seeing that um, private industry and and is almost replacing in many respects the work that higher education is supposed to be doing and and training people on very specific verticals and bypassing that higher education experience, which which for me I'm I'm concerned about. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, people, I, I really have a problem with people who say, oh, higher education is on its way out and on. Because, you know, it, it's, I've, you know, I, I personally, as a first generation college goer, you know, experience what it's like to um, be able to go to college, to have that enriching experience and become a much broader person in, in terms of my understanding of the world. Yes. And so, you know, I don't want to see those opportunities to decrease. I want them to expand, yeah. you know, have something, you know, that's why online education is getting so much attention, right? It's because it's more affordable, it's scalable, you know, all these different things that, um, you know, we were talking about earlier in terms of democratizing, but you can't just say you're going to throw you into, <laughs> you know, a course with a million other people and expect that, you know, you're going to learn. So as we started yeah. out with talking, you know, there's that we're coming, I'm coming back purposely yeah. in some ways <laughs> to yes. the quality issue. And yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Yeah, you, I mean, you've, you've come um, full circle. Yeah, because, you know, Oh, sorry, I, I interrupted you there. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, you, you're quite right. You, you've come full circle on, on the quality experience and, and what will deliver truly great um, online learning experiences. And, and from the experiences that I've had uh, uh, personally, and it's, it's a, a small sample, of course, um, that I've seen the work at, at Get Smarter. I've paid particular close attention to um, the work that, that Udacity has done. Um, I, I was working for a, a very large university here in Australia called RMIT. And we were building out, um, you know, a portfolio of courses that were again um, geared towards the future of work, and um, and had small cohort-led experiences. And and the work that now I'm doing at uh, the Kahoot Academy um, 
looking at what is quality online education. And in particular, Kahoot has a, a fascinating model of, of being able to create incredible relationships amongst peers and, and facilitators and to really um, and, uh, appreciate that people come in with a wealth of experience in their own right, um, but prior to even commencing any learning and that that needs to be baked into their learning experience. So what we're mindful of is to make sure that people are uh, treated um, with all the respect in the world, the trust, and that the, they feel that this is a trusted environment where they can engage and learn, um, and moreover, that they can learn from one another and with one another um, as part of that ongoing learning experience. So for me, in, in summary, um, uh, uh, Terry, I, I feel very strongly that the cohort-led experience, while it's not infinitely scalable, um, there are ways to make it in, in, uh, a scalable and, and wonderful experience for students. I, I firmly believe that that cohort experience needs to be part of that, that conversation and that the facilitator and the mudding of industry and academia um, together in a, in a very tightly gated community will be the, the kind of outcomes we want to see from, from a higher education perspective and not, not the, the kind of asynchronous left to your own devices uh, point and click learning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing that evolution happening, you know, as we speak. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there and, and in terms of providing you know, really good quality online experiences. And I think we're just going to see that continue going into the future. So I, yeah. I, I agree that cohort led um, or you know, type of experience. Yeah, I, I'm sure if I were doing a cohort with my edX class, I'd probably be a lot more responsible about <laughs> taking yep. the classes. It but, certainly um, would. You know, case, that, um, I that, will try to to finish. Yeah, that that cohesion is so important as as part of a community. Um, that that's what what keeps you coming in for more, and the richness of that dialogue and and the discourse that gets created in these groups is is what 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 is compelling for students. And um, you know, even there's there's little techniques and and tricks. Um, hate using the word tricks, but there's a, there's a couple of techniques that one can use to to really rope people into that learning experience, much like the Facebook. Um, uh, notifications um, keeps you you know attuned to what's going on 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 that environment and I hate to use that as an analogy because uh, you know that's certainly not where I where I want higher education to go but um, there are ways and means of of creating um, uh, interesting uh, conversations that are worth diving into and, and keeping abreast of so um, yeah look uh, that's that's the the future of what what the sector needs it needs a, a whole bunch of learning architects and designers that are in, uh, intelligently thinking about um, what motivates people, how to keep people tight-knit community groups together, and how we can create a more dynamic and, and um, uh, cohesive learning experience for students. Absolutely. I, I agree with all of that 100%. So I guess, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. We could keep talking, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but this has been fun, as always. Um, and you know, I would just kind of conclude with the, the idea that I really do hope, you know, if you're a higher ed leader out there, really look into these collaborations, because it's 
you know, especially for small to medium institutions that may not have their own online program, there are plenty of entities out there that want to partner with you to help create, you know, really good quality online experiences. And I know there have been some, you know, stories out there, but for, you know, the, the vast majority of the sector really does care about learning. They, you know, they uh, really do want to help hired institutions make this transition because it is we're really in a yeah. transition you know where this yeah. is going to happen and you know it's really important that uh higher ed leaders are paying attention to what's going on in these sectors and so i will say thank you to warren for joining us today and thank you to everyone who listens we um are the center for higher education leadership and this is our regular podcast we're getting there's lots of stuff going on so we're, we're doing these uh, recordings a little more regularly these days but uh, we hope you'll join us and again we're at www.higheredleads.com thanks again warren yeah thanks terry it was a wonderful conversation thank you okay great have a great day Bye-bye. Bye-bye.